listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, affiliated with the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up guys? It's JK3. Hey, we're recording today. We have a special guest. Uh, Nate Monroe is a columnist with the Florida Times Union. He's award-winning and a local favorite on Twitter. We were chatting about it a little bit beforehand, uh, where he can be found at, at Nate Monroe TU. Nate, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Corey. Yeah, before we get started, I was hoping, uh, you know, for maybe the Jags listeners who haven't checked out your work uh, yet, which is doubtful. I'm sure they've, they've seen you out there and you've been in the news quite a bit, uh, uncovering a lot of stuff in Jacksonville. Uh, but maybe you can give us just a little bit of your background, you know, how you found your way to Jacksonville. I believe online, just looking, you got to the TU around 2013. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone who's uh, maybe followed me uh, or, or read anything uh, might know. So I, I grew up in um, sort of in and around New Orleans. Uh, I was born in the Midwest. So I don't I don't sound like I'm from New Orleans, but I spent the lion's share of my childhood um, in Slidell, which is kind of like the Orange Park of New Orleans. And uh you know, went to LSU and uh, studied journalism. I had a couple family members that uh, worked for newspapers when they were younger. And my grandparents have always been big newspaper readers. And um, I sucked at math uh, in school and always kind of gravitated toward, you know, writing and, and civics. And so it was a, it was sort of a natural fit. And uh, yeah, I graduated from LSU in 2010 and got a job at a really, really small newspaper in South Louisiana Um Actually, right around the time that the BP oil spill happened, which I guess is a long time ago now, uh, but um, yeah, it was definitely a big deal at the time. And uh, you know, just kind of worked my way up through a couple of different newspapers, and uh, I had a pit stop in Pensacola uh, for about a year and a half, and just I guess kept moving east on I ten, and just got to the point where you know, there's no there's no moving farther east, so I'm, I guess I'm stuck here. Playing no return. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been here. You don't sound Sunday. like you're from Louisiana at all. Yeah, like, I maybe, just I never picked up that thinking. Maybe it's just I, I was expecting like a farmer friend, like at <laughs> oh, a little bit, but oh you know. gee, uh, or, or out of all. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's funny where, so my, my first job, I actually covered uh, Lafouche Parish, which is where Ed Orcheron is from. Uh, he grew up in South Lafouche and he went to like South Lafouche High School. And, you know, the people who grow up there are like fucking insane. So of course he's crazy too. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you guys curse or not on, on here, but I do. So, um, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's an interesting dude and, and the accents in that part of the world are, are just wild. Like they don't even sound I mean, they don't even like, I think a lot of people have in their, their, their mind, the idea that like everyone in Louisiana is like, they sound like the water boy, but um, <laughs> some of the folks down that way, like if you hear some of them, they almost sound like, like Swedish or something. It's like the accents are like crazy. Uh, but yeah, I never picked it up. Yeah. I've heard some pretty brutal accents out there. I mean, just really <laughs> deep, crazy accents. Um, so anyway, now the, the 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 crazy part is you, you know Louisiana as a as a state you know obviously they have the 
the, the New Orleans Saints and they have the LSU. But uh, being in North Florida, you know, you're either on one side or the other. You're either orange or blue, garnet and gold. And obviously we love our team in Jacksonville. So are you a sports fan? Uh, do, do, you, do you love football or is there another sport that you have that you have a passion for? You know, so I definitely, um, you know, so I went to LSU. So I've definitely been like a big LSU fan um, and grew up a Saints fan when the Saints were really terrible. Um, and so like their pre-Katrina era, you know, they, they were awful. And so I always felt a little bit of a kinship with the, with the Jaguars. Um, and I do root for the Jaguars now. Um, but I will say I'm not, uh, you know, LSU won a national championship when I was at school and the saints won a super bowl. And I kind of feel like I've kind of, I've sort of gotten my stuff out of my system. So I'm not, I'm not as much of a, like even last week, uh, like the LSU Florida game, um, I just kind of like did other shit while that was on. And I think I sat down and watched like the full fourth quarter, but I I just like don't have the same spoiled. How spoiled are you? I know. I sound. I must. I must sound spoiled. Are you? Yeah. I was. I was at LSU. They won a Natty. Yeah. The Saints. They won a. They won a Super Bowl. So yeah, I've been Super Bowl and championship <laughs> rated out. You know. Yeah. Need a sweater in the fourth quarter of the LSU you know, <laughs> game. It's no big yeah. deal. And he's only bringing that up because you guys were taking it to his team. That's why his yeah, name yeah, was yeah. <laughs> I mean, and look, like if I sit down and, and watch the full, like part of the reason I don't anymore too, is like for my, my mental health and my wife's mental health too. Cause I'll, um, we actually had a conversation a few weeks ago where she was just like, you, you just like, can't talk this way when there's a game on. And so part of the reason I'll just kind of not watch the whole thing. It's just better for everybody. But, uh, yeah, I am spoiled. You know, I had a, I grew up in a good time. Like LSU being good is, is definitely more like the exception, uh, than the rule. So um, you know, anyway, but, but we, I do, we, I suffer with Jaguars fans. I do hate how terrible they are. We hope one day that we have such, uh, privileges and live through, you know, five years like you have, um, <laughs> yeah. for our college and pro team, especially our pro team, because, uh, man, it is just, it's terrible. It's just, man, it's just terrible. Yeah. There's no other words to describe it. Well, so uh, I see, so you have an FSU shirt on i think i can see so who's who are y'all's teams so Knowles and um Knowles and jags and before you know the jags you know came into existence i was a a huge cowboys fan i'll admit that but okay um until i'll never you know cowboys will always be nothing to me until jerry jones passes away and then they'll be my second favorite team <laughs> just because i grew up with them uh I can't stand jerry jones yes horrible yes. so <laughs> yeah so that's just that's just how it is no no he, he killed that team but that's that's just me yeah that's just me i'm a i'm a florida fan you know i i i pull for the gators um i would say you know as far as water cooler talk and you know in my place of employment it, it's always good to have a team so of course you know i'm i'm a huge i, I would say i'm a casual a little bit above casual Gator fan, you know, I love them. Uh, you know, I enjoy watching it on Saturdays. You know, if they lose, I'm not as messed up about it as I am on Sundays with the Jags. Like I'm a huge Jags fan. And on Sundays, man, it is like my, my children just stay away from me on Sundays and it's just super. <laughs> so we haven't had a fun household here since 2017, <laughs> you know? So, but uh, yeah, I'm a diehard Jag fan. You know, I, I think, you know, with us being here in the city and I, I wish there 
Yeah, I, and I, I wish there were more. I think they're starting to come out of the woodworks. Uh, you know, I have this huge theory about, you know, when the Jags came here in, um, you know, early in 95 uh, or 93, 94, 93, 94, they, they announced the team or whatever. And, you know, us now that we're here in Jacksonville or young enough, we're to that point now where we can buy season tickets and we've suffered with this team long enough. So we are, you know, kind of getting our growing pains and getting those things out of the way now and still actually filling the stands. Um, you know, it still does stink when they do lose, but, you know, at least when eventually when it does turn around, I look at the Saints, I look at the Bucks, I look at some of these teams that have had historic losing, you know, periods of times. Uh, and I compare our losing to that and just hope that it eventually turns around and we're just not this factory of sadness like Detroit. You know, even Cleveland has had, you know, some success as a, uh, you know, organization. And uh, I mean, the Seahawks had it as well. Um, you know, so now I, I hope that we just don't stay in Detroit territory. Yeah, it'll it'll turn around, man. Like I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier. I remember growing up the the Benson family, you know, the, the Saints owners, but like people hated Tom Benson. My dad hated Tom Benson. Um, I kind of like as a kid, I guess I like hated Tom Benson, whatever that means. But he was like a bad guy. He was a villain. And the thing was that the Saints were going to go to San Antonio. And um, right after Katrina, they even played a bunch of games in San Antonio. And, you know, he after the storm, they put together a, a winning team. They hired Sean Payton and Drew Brees and that crew. And it was like as soon as they started winning and and definitely after they won the Super Bowl, like the Bensons are like a beloved family now. Like it it winning does this is like a cliche here, but I mean winning does solve a lot of problems with a franchise for sure. I mean, it was like night and day. Well, um, I, you know, I guess I'll jump in with my college team since, uh, you know, I was excluded a little bit here, but uh, University of North Florida football undefeated. Uh, you know, so just throwing that out there. Um, I don't know. Is there, any, is there a scoop that you can give us on the football team being uh, unveiled anytime soon in the next few years? You gonna have? No, no, no flag football league or anything like that. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Cool. Good. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so um, as you know, since it's a Jaguars podcast, you know, we uh, specifically talk about the Jags. Usually we do get a little off topic sometimes and we don't pretend to have any sort of uh, in-depth knowledge about city government. Uh, so we're hoping that maybe you could give us a little bit of a civics lesson as, if possible. Uh, so, for example, with the shipyards project, you know, be approved by the city council. Um, you know, can you give us sort of a high, high, high? level look at that process and sort of uh, how it worked out, how it looks, uh, you know, specifically from the Jaguars perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and there, I mean, you guys probably know this. I mean, about a decade ago, um, it became the, the NFL sort of started looking at not just generating revenue from straight football, but began encouraging owners to think about building like ancillary developments around their stadiums. And so like entertainment venues, hotels, um, casinos are a part of that mix. Sometimes um, at, it, maybe one day gambling and betting will be part of that mix. Not that it's not the case in Florida right now. Um and so, you know, Shotcon is uh, 
many things. One of them is a, is a budding entrepreneur in the NFL realm. So um, he has expressed interest for a long time in a couple of city owned pieces of property on the riverfront. The city owns like a ridiculous amount of, of uh, waterfront in downtown, really from you know, what we, the former landing site to like the Talleyrand port terminal, almost all of that is city owned. Um, and the thing about developing on city owned land is that uh, it requires that the city is going to have to bid the property out. There has to be some sort of like a disposition process. Um, and in this case, the city wanted to cobble together a bunch of public land uh, and make Shah Khan like the master developer of it to kind of give him a, a blank slate to, to work with. Um, this has been going on for like several years now and, and Shah's specific plans have changed like a million times. Like when I got here, uh, he was thinking about building on the shipyards, which what we call today the shipyards is not what was understood to be the shipyards like 10 years ago. The shipyards, can you can you explain like what like what it is like the the actual shipyards? Yeah, so the the actual shipyards property is the it's used as a parking like a grass parking lot now. It's the it's the piece of property across from Maxwell House next to the Berkman 2, the skeletal, you know, half-built building. Like that's the shipyards and the, the jail, land, right? Uh, yeah, across from the jail too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the cops, you know, the cops use that for parking every day. Um, so closer to the stadium, that area is like Metropolitan Park, I think is the is the easy shorthand to use. There's a part, it wasn't always all Met, Met Park, but it kind of is now. Um, that's where Shotgun actually wants to build. At some point, he and his team just started referring to the whole waterfront is the shipyard. So whatever, it's not a big deal, but it just, it does make it a little confusing. So when they talk about the shipyards, they're actually talking about Met Park and the area around Met Park. Um, so he wants to build a Four Seasons. Uh, he wants to build an office park. Uh, he wants Baptist to build uh, an orthopedic center, um, which he envisions like NFL players using. I mean, these things exist around the country. Um, and of course, we're also helping them build a uh, like a practice facility uh, on the other side of the stadium, uh, and that's a pretty big investment by the city too. The city participation in all this stuff comes from the fact that one, he wants to build on public land, uh, and two, he needs city incentives to make these projects economically viable. So, like Shad Khan. Uh, if you want to build a Four Seasons in Jacksonville, <laughs> I'm not even fully convinced that he's going to be able to do that yet. The Four Seasons has not agreed to uh, to to this development yet. Um, but it, the the starting point is he's going to need the city to help him make the project feasible. And th what the city has agreed to, in large part, are a bunch of incentives that we're going to give him on the back end of the development. So um, once when he builds the Four Seasons or whatever hotel, um, he will get what's called a completion grant. So the city will give him about $28 million in like cash just as a 
congrats on building this thing. Like, holy shit, you got it done. Here's some money just to offset your cost. Um, and he's going to get a bunch of property tax rebates. So he's not going to have to pay taxes on the hotel for, you know, 20 years, or like a really long time out. Uh, and the idea being that that helps make the project viable. Um, even with those incentives, he's probably going to have to cover losses from a four seasons every year, because that really is a huge stretch project for Jacksonville. Um, and we're also in on, uh, he might, build a new marina uh, connected to the Four Seasons uh, that the city is basically going to finance. Um, and he's getting the city land that he's building on for free. So anyway, the, the civics lesson part of it is anytime you need taxpayers to help you with stuff, it's going to have to go through all these different layers of approvals, including the city council and the mayor. And so that's a huge web of politics that he's you know, sort of been struggling with for you know, for several years now. And he, he finally got the four seasons. He finally got something that he wanted out of the city. So I, so when, when all the news and things like that are breaking, breaking. Um, and one of the things that I kind of noticed is that, you know, lot J and then there's lot J and what I think of lot J is if anyone has gone into a city that has a entertainment district or something around an actual, you know, place. Like think of any, I, I would say probably the closest thing to Jacksonville would probably be what the Braves did in Atlanta at the battery where they have all these different areas and they have an actual live and all these things in my head, I was thinking that's what, you know, lot J would similarly look like. Um, you know, that was unanimous, you, not, not unanimously shot down, but it, it was, you know, kind of dismissed. Uh, and then it seems like, there comes the shipyards project um, and that was unanimously passed. So what does the shipyards bring? Um, you know, you know, you have that, that economic development downtown and, you know, the four seasons and the hotels and those things, but what does the shipyards and this actual project bring the actual, like, you know, average, you know, Jacksonvillean, you know, looking for, for, for a good time downtown. That's a really good question. Um, I think so. Lot J, just in case, I, I guess there's like somebody listening who's not like immediately familiar with it. You know, this like you were saying, like the battery around the Brave Stadium, like an entertainment center, immediately almost like connected to the stadium that he wanted to build. Um, and there's a company called uh, the Cordish Companies. They build a bunch of these around the around the country. I think they did the battery. As a matter of fact, they did. Uh, ballpark village in St. Louis. They did one in Baltimore. Like they do a bunch of these. Um, and he wanted to build that here. Um, I, I think in terms of like what, this is sort of interesting. I think in terms of like, which project had more for just like a regular sort of person, I actually think lot J was probably a better deal. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm not going to be paying like $600 a night to stay in a four seasons, at least not in Jacksonville, like ever. And I don't have a boat and yeah. I don't have a boat yet. So, right. So I think like lot J, the idea was, you know, you'd have these, um, you know, I, I kind of made fun of this before, like flippantly, like, you know, like a Fuddruckers or whatever. I mean, it's just like you have like, you know, these Bud <laughs> kind of, you know, country NFL type little music venues with, uh, you know, basic bars and, and restaurant kind of things attached to them. I mean, 
there's more, I guess, for like a, yeah, like I said, like an average fan in that. The, the problem with Lache was, uh, so the, the, the four seasons, and like I said earlier, a lot of the incentives that he's going to be getting for the four seasons are these, what are called like back-end financial incentives. So he's got to build the hotel. And once he builds it, then he gets the bulk of like the, the completion grant, the tax, the tax breaks that he's going to get on the, on the, you know, the property taxes. Lot J, he was asking for the city to front him a bunch of money, like almost $200 million. He was trying to get, you know, in most, most of it would have been like cold, hard cash that we were supposed to front him to jumpstart development. That's very unusual. Like the city's never done something like that on that scale for a developer ever. Um, it was a lot of money. I, I happen to think it was too much money for what we would have gotten out of that. Um, and, and I think the deal ultimately was just, you know, it was just like a, it was just a bad deal for the city. Um, and as a result, they went back to the drawing board and came back with this four seasons deal, which I think was a little bit of a better balance of like risk and reward, uh, for everybody involved, honestly. Gotcha. 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 So, yeah. All right. So just just explain that to the casual, um, you know, person, because, again, you know, I live in in Orange Park. So, uh, you know, I keep an eye on some of the city things. But, you know, does it directly affect me? You know, absolutely not. You know, we're just trying to get something other than a lot of Polera out here. Uh, you know, so, you know, so for us, it's just, just, there's nothing it, wrong with La Nop, man. Come on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with La Nop. Trust me. I, I, I like La Nop out of the, out of, like like anyone else. But I mean, when you've ran through the menu the entire time. I mean, you know, you had everything on there. So, yeah. I mean, it, that's what it is. So, this could, this could um, be a future sponsor. So, let's hang on now. We love La Valera. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so, I mean, with your with your inner workings and, you know, with, with your, your career working with the Times Union, um, can you kind of explain, um, you know, your relationship and what you think the relationship of the city um, and, you know, the Jaguars? Like, everyone – loves, you know, you tie the city of Philadelphia with the Eagles, you tie the city of DC, you know, with, uh, you know, the skins or the WFT. Um, so what about, you know, with the Jag, with, with the city of, you know, Jaguars, or excuse me, the city of Jacksonville and the Jaguars, you know, like the good, the bad and the ugly, like how, how, what's this marriage look like so far over the last 25 years? Yeah, man. I mean, that's a big question. Um, you know, I, I think um, I think a lot of people believe with good reason that um, this city fought really hard to get this NFL team here. And it's definitely a source of pride. And it's like a big part of the city or definitely like downtown's identity that the NFL, you know, they've got an NFL franchise. And I think that that's right. good and that's healthy. Like, the city did fight for that team and should feel proud that it's got an NFL team. Um, and for what it's worth, like, I think the market actually kind of overperforms its size. Um, Shad bought the team for 760 something million in 2012, and it's worth a little under $3 billion today. So, I mean, the, the, the city is doing its job uh, on that front. I think where it gets a little, I think where it gets a little bit dicey is that, you know, at the end of the day, like the city is finite resources and the city has a lot of problems and owning an NFL team or rather being a host to an NFL team is really expensive. And mm-hmm. the the city is going to be tested 
at times and has been tested on like, like, what is the limit? Like, what is there a limit to the amount of, of like public tangible public support that we can provide? And if there is a limit, what is it? Right. Like there are people who might say (laughs) the city just should do whatever it takes to keep the team. Uh, And I, you know, I can understand that, that perspective, you know, but then there are people who say, look, like, you know, it's important. We keep the trash picked up on time, which, you know, hasn't been happening every, every week. Uh, You know, we, if we care about crime and we care about, uh, you know, uh, fixing everyone's infrastructure and we care about combating inequality and making sure that schools have all the, the, the equipment and the resources they need. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff to balance. And so I think the, the, the ugly part of the relationship is just in, you know, trying to balance, like what is, what can we do for the Jaguars? What do they actually need from us? Uh, what sure. do they want from us and what can we actually give them? And, you know, shot is like any businessman. He's going to ask for more than he needs. Um, right. And so that that's where, where things get hairy, uh, you know, politically, uh, no mayor wants to be the mayor that like ran off the Jaguars, right? Nobody wants to be responsible for the Jaguars leaving. And, you know, I don't think that's a possibility, but you know, if you piss the guy off enough, I mean, I guess he could do whatever he wanted. So, yeah, you know, that's where things tend to get really dicey. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think a lot of the problems, though, would be solved by winning. I, I really I really think so. I think a lot of the problems would be solved if the team were able to put a competitive, um, you know, a competitive football team and a competitive game day experience uh, consistently on Sundays. I think it would be I think it would solve a, a lot of. them. I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you um, and I would take it a little bit further and say that especially now that the city has approved this, this four seasons package. Um, he's got what he wanted on that front. Um, it, th- this is on him now. Like, and, and he has acknowledged this, like it, he is a responsibility to deliver a product on the field that people want to support. And the Jaguars are responsible for delivering a good game day experience. And they have never, I mean, with, you know, some, some blips in time, they have not delivered on that in a sustained way ever. And I do think, you know, again, like the tension is 
when are you going to, you know, like you got to deliver now, man, like the city is doing its part. The city is, is funding stuff for him. It's helping him pay for stuff that he wants. Um, right. So he needs to deliver on that. Like, I, I really, so, I really believe that. So with that belief and that, that, you know, that, that, that mindset, how does it affect, you know, how the times and, you know, your, your you know, the ability for you to do your job, you know, versus you know, the on-field performance, like what's that relationship like and how hard is it for you to do your job as a, you know, reporter for the Times Union and keep a reputable name like the Times Union, you know, here in Jacksonville, um, you know, and versus the product and some of the things that are happening down, you know, in the stadium, like, you know, is there, is, does it make your job harder? Does it make it easier? Like what's that relationship like? I mean, it's, it's not a different kind of relationship than I think that we have with, um, anyone else in power. Like we, um, you know, we have a sports section, like I'm not part of the sports section, so I don't, I don't cover their, like, I don't cover the on-field stuff. I'm just kind of a consumer Mm -hmm. of it, like everyone else. Um, but you know, to the extent that, that, you know, Shah Khan, he, he is an important person in like economic development, but he's also a political donor. He's a prolific donor to city politicians and, in that way, like I, I cover him and I cover their organization like we do mm-hmm. everyone else. Like it's just a matter yeah. of, you know, like I, I treat like when they make statements about what their projects, you know, will or won't do or, or what they're asking for. Like we check that stuff just like we check, you know, anytime a politician says anything like I, I just think right. of them as kind of a civic leader. So it's really not, he doesn't really have like a unique role. Like for me, he's just like another person that we, you know, we write about. So, and sometimes they get pissed off at us. Like that happens. And, you know, you work through that stuff and um, that's, that's not any different than anyone else would cover, you know? Gotcha. You know, and it's funny you, you say that because when, when I think about you know, all the projects and the influence that Khan has had, like a lot of people can talk about it. I can say I lived a little bit of it before the Jacks came to town. My grandmother lived on Jesse Street, Jesse and Bradier Street, Jesse Street Apartments. It's right there next to the stadium. I spent a lot of days, a lot of summers biking, walking, scootering all through that area. And it was nothing. It was a dump. There was nothing there. Some of the stuff I'd seen as a kid, a kid shouldn't see. So now that you have somebody that's actually come in and want to develop it and, you know, the, the hustle and duck and back and forth and tug of war, I'm for, it. you know, some pe- people have different ideas. I'm for it just because of what I saw in the past. So like when I look at his influence, like I, I would embrace it and yeah, there's going to be money. Yes. Taxes are going to go up. Yes. We've got problems like trash. And, <laughs> you know, you, you join any neighborhood Facebook page, that's the, the hot topic right now. It's freaking trash day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and you, you've, you've talked about that on Twitter. You think you've written an article about it. Like just that, that overall influence that, and I, and I call it motivation because it wasn't just like, Oh, it appeared. And it was just like that. It was like that for years. Mm-hmm for years until someone got motivated. And I almost felt like at first it was like, well, wait a minute. He does it. Why, why, why does he have to do everything? Why does he have to lead the charge? Why does we have to give him the money? Well, nobody else is. Nobody else is picking up, saying, or doing anything. They're developing out instead of developing within. And that, that influence is now starting to spread. You start to see 
this generation of adults, people our age, really getting behind his ideas and that influence. And like I said, not influence to me, it's motivation. So that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. And I think that's like a totally fair, I think it's a totally fair perspective. And I don't think, you know, I I don't like definitely for my part, um, I don't object to like the idea that shotgun wants to develop that area. It's, it's always just going to be, what is it that he's actually asking from the city? What is he asking taxpayers to help him with? Um, and, and what is the actual need? Like, what does he actually need to make these things happen? Right. Like, is he, is he just asking for shit because he knows he can get it? Um, you know, I'm just inclined to never be a huge fan of like giving a billionaire some money for him to do something. But I also understand that, you know, to make like a four seasons viable, if that's what we decided we wanted, then yeah, we're going to have to help him with that. And, and I'm fine with that. And I think most people are fine with that as long as the deal's fair. And as long as, you know, it, it's as long as like, you know, the, the responsibilities are, are flowing the right way. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, the thing about the four seasons deal that I like is in essence, the agreement is you go out, you get this thing built, and then you get some help on the back end. Like you show us that you can get it built. Like I'm okay with that. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I think there's always like a little bit of tension um, and there should like, by the way, it, there should be like the city in, 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 in its NFL owner should have kind of an adversarial relationship. Like it doesn't, that does, that's not a bad thing. It's good that like nego- the, the negotiation should be real. You know, like both sides should have to have to like really show their cards and show like what they what they can really do. Um, I don't think you want the relationship too much in either direction. Uh, I don't think that works. You know, and I also think a lot of other cities have much more combative relationships with uh, with their NFL teams than we do. I mean, Buffalo is trying to get a stadium built right now, and um, there's a lot of acrimony about that. Uh, the NFL has written some letters to the state of New York like that. That's actually getting pretty ugly. And I think whenever Shad, you know, assuming it's not some insane ask, I think when he makes his ask for, a, you know, stadium renovations, it's going to be fine. You know, like we'll, we'll get to a solution and it's not going to be some ugly falling out. No. Can the city can can the city hold can the city like hold anything against shot and say, yeah, we'll give you, you know, the stadium renovations. You give us two 10, one seasons. Can this, can a city like, can, can they, and that's just like a, a question that I always No, I mean, that's a real yeah. question. That's a, that's a serious question. Like, is there a way that they can say the way that, that they can ask for, you know, and put some onus back on him being the NFL like, owner because like honestly, a quality if, product. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I watch, I watch what, you know, Tony Khan tweets, I watch uh, a majority of that stuff is about AEW, which is a fake sport. You know, you guys can come in my DMs and all you want. It's still a fake sport. So he 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 comes on, you know, and, and then like what what can they do about you know getting a better quality? Is there any way civically or is there something I don't know that they can put out there and saying, okay, yeah, you want this? Okay, give us this amount of wins or produce this type of quality on the field, average this amount of attendance, which could probably be inflated because he can give you know tickets away to kids at bishop kenny and like all the surrounding areas you know and all other stuff but is there something that the city can do to say all right you want these renovations give us this i think that there are 
some there there are probably some things the city could do like to your point about a certain number of like tickets sold or like a capacity thing they could probably work into an agreement and enforce stuff like on-field performance I, no one has ever done that before i cannot imagine that the nfl and the owners the other 31 owners would ever be okay with that they would never sign an agreement uh or they would never sign off on an agreement where a city is holding an owner responsible for uh, you know on-field performance and and they're going to have to part of a stadium renovation agreement is that the other owners are going to have to sign off on it so it's it's probably it's theoretically possible but i i just don't think it's ever going to happen because you know, <laughs> these other owners don't want their cities coming to them and saying, you know, hey, like Jerry Jones, like you guys have been terrible for, you know, how many years now? Um, like that's that nobody wants that. Um, okay. Hey, the so, only, the it's only a good, stupid question is the one that's not it's asked. Not, it's not a, well, no, it's not a stupid <laughs> question. I mean, I think it's a totally fair question. And it's, it's a little bit like, it's interesting because Shad, you know, being a soccer team owner, like there actually kind of are uh, like relegation is a thing he's very familiar with. We don't, we just don't have a mechanism like that in the NFL, like where he just makes less money if they're terrible. There's just, well, they have to play Alabama, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like I, I wouldn't, you know, in theory, I wouldn't object to that. Like, I think it's kind of bullshit that Shad can mismanage a team and still make a ton of money as if, you know, nothing's wrong, but that's the system. And, I, I, you know, I I'm, do not believe that's ever going to change. Um, and, you know, that that's you, know, you try to draw a hard line in the sand. I mean, that's how you get the team to move to San Antonio. <laughs> Just tell Sean, mm-hmm. we need two 10 win seasons back to back. I don't know. That sounds like a good uh, column idea for you, potentially. <laughs> it, might, um, it might be one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you be in favor of selling JEA to Shad Khan? <laughs> no. I like the city owning I'm all, I'm all about city ownership. I know. Yeah. I, yeah, trust me. Um, so you've hit on some pretty controversial and hard-hitting stories in town, including the the potential privatization of JEA when that was going on. How about any uh you know funny or uh super interesting things you've uncovered here in town that ne- didn't necessarily get reported on in a column or or with the Times Union? I mean, one thing I, I feel like probably doesn't come through because I just, I, you know, I, it's just the nature of what I do uh, covering like city politics. Like I just kind of bitch a lot. I really do like the city a lot. Um, I like living here and probably will be here for a long time. Um, I actually think the food scene here is low key, like really, really interesting. And, I, you know, like I know the the I feel like a lot of people associate us with the camel rider, but this is the only place I've ever had like Rocky. <laughs> the camel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The camel. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> or the cherry limeade. The cherry yeah, limeade yeah. at the at the at the, uh-huh. sheet, the cheap also. But yeah, like I love like you can go, uh, you can get raw kibbe here, which is like a really interesting dish that's not typical. Like it's not a like I grew up in New Orleans and never had it. And I think that I, I wish um there was a little bit I more what that was. Yeah, it's 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 raw meat. Like it's a it's a cool yeah it's a really interesting experience. You know it's it's a it's a Middle Eastern dish. Um, 
And like, it's that, like, I kind of wish there was more journalism on, on our, on our food scene. Like, like, and I'm probably guilty of not doing more of that, but um, I just, I think Jacksonville has got little pockets of culture that are really easy to overlook. Um, and I, I, there's greater awareness of it now. There, there are outlets like the Jackson uh, that, that do a really good job covering some of that stuff. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that that's my answer. I saw, you know, when we were, I was looking at the outline. Um, I wish I had a better, like, more amusing answer, but that really is the answer. I just, I think that the city has just got some really cool, you know, pockets of of culture here. Um, like, mm-hmm. I live in, I'm in Neptune Beach right now, and you know, like Mayport, like this fishing village. Like, there aren't a lot of fishing villages left in the United States. Like, like places where you have commercial fishermen and shrimpers who launch their boats every day. And like, that's their, that's their living, you know, like that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so off, off, off topic with, you know, just with, with everything, you're a reporter, like you're an actual journalist, like you're are a, like a real deal journalist. Like, so how do you deal with like the social media journalist or like the Instagram or not necessarily the Facebook. I won't even go down that rabbit hole, but as far as like the Instagram person that's out covering all these things and and doing all that, like how do you as a professional journalism deal with like the social media, you know, kind of error right now is that if you have like an iPhone 13 and a lot of free time on your hand, you can go out and take a bunch of pictures and like leave reviews and things like that. So how do you, you know, kind of balance your actual professionalism with, you know, the amateur stuff? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question. And there probably are some beats or like things that people cover where they really have to deal with that. Um, There aren't a lot of people willing to sit through a six hour city council meeting on their iPhone. And anyone who's (laughs) willing to do that is, you know, welcome to come on down to the party and and join in the fun. Um, (laughs) You know, and that's really the thing about news newspapers uh and and the the dying off of newspapers that we really lose like you know we pay people to sit through like planning and zoning commission meetings and uh nuisance abatement board meetings like stuff that like normal people don't do because they shouldn't um so i i mean that that's the thing about like a professional journalist like this is what we do if there's a meeting in the middle of the day like i can go because it's my job to go i don't have to like take off work or just be some unemployed weirdo to go to the meeting like i actually like that's what i'm paid to do um so i, I mean that's that's i think part of what um having like a professional news organization among many other things i think that's part of it is just the act of being there or the act of being able to devote the time necessary to cover that kind of stuff because, you know, it's terrible sitting through like a, yeah, like council meetings are awful and I've had to do it for many years. And it's, it's just like, not something, no amateur is going to be doing that week in and week out. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate it, Nate, you spending the time to do this. Honestly, it's a great honor. Uh, Again, um, you know, Nate is with the Florida times union. He's, won a lot of awards and he is a big time favorite on Twitter. If you're not following him, please jump on there and follow him at Nate Monroe TU. Uh, Nate, thank you again for uh, popping on the podcast and and talking about a pretty wide ranging set of issues for us. (laughs) Sure, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on and, and happy to come back anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
So yeah. we appreciate everybody uh, uh, for listening. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, preferably five stars. That'd be awesome. Uh, and you can also find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well. And we'll talk to you guys next time. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.